we usually have the Yom Kiyun of Purim, very close to Purim. It's actually, I think, a good idea that we had it so far in advance, more than a week. So you guys think that preparing for Purim means the Purim Spiel. So you spend a month preparing for Purim at the Purim Spiel. But Purim is an unbelievable day that somehow or other is not appreciated, and it needs some preparation. The purpose of this Yom Iyun, one of them is to make you realize how much potential there is, so maybe you'll start preparing. So the Tikkune Zohar has a famous, I mean, the language isn't famous, but the concept is famous. Purim, Itkarius, Purim is called Al-Shem, Yom HaKippurim. Listen to the words. Purim, Yom HaKippurim, so Yom HaKippurim means that Yom Kippur is like Purim. So where's your benchmark? Your benchmark is Purim. And the which is very strange, we'll hear from the Vilnagon in a minute. But the continuation of the Zohar is that in the future, both days are going to be days of tanug, of indulgence, of delight. And the Groh says we have a concept in all of the Yomim Tovim that every Yontif is supposed to be divided half for Hashem and half for you. The standard interpretation is half of it is Ruchnius, that's the Chatzil Lashem, And Chatzil Lachem, half for you, there were some great people that said that the learning is the Chatzil Lachem and the eating is the Chatzil Lashem because I'm only doing it Lashem Shemayim, but for us simple mortals, Chatzil Lashem and Chatzil Lachem means half of the day we indulge and half of the day we're in Ruchnius. Says the Vilna Gon, there are two days where that is an exception. The obvious one is Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, there's no chatzil lachem. It's all chatzil lachem. We're fasting the whole day. Says the Vilna Gaon, the other day is Purim, where it's not chatzil lachem the chatzil lachem, but it's kulo lachem. It's all about indulgence. It's a very strange idea, but we see it consistently in the halachos that, I mean, the most strange, the strangest halacha, chai vinish libesume, supposed to get... What's the good translation for besume? Um, not, not, you know, um, you're supposed to, you know what it means, guys, right? You all know what it means. You've been practicing. Okay? Uh, what was that? You know, that's, that's the, what it means, but there, there's a, there's a, a besume from the word besumim to smell, you know, a certain fragrance, to, okay, to fragrate yourself. So, that's very strange. Because we understand Judaism is all about intellect, all about seichel. And what it's telling you is that this day, you're going to lose your seichel. That's a very strange mitzvah. What is going on? So, both Purim and Yom Kippur, you have to realize, are days which we behave in a very abnormal way. We understand that Yom Kippur is abnormal. You're fasting. You're not behaving in a human way. But Purim is also a day of abnormality because you're losing your seichel. And the seichel is what the human being is all about. But what is it? Each day is supposed to elevate us to new perspectives. Yom Kippur 
is itaruta dila We basically don't do anything. We just go up to Hashem. We try to connect like the angels. It's called itaruta dila Purim is the essence of itaruta dilatata. It's up to us to see. Now, one of our problems that blinds us is that we like to rationalize. We know where we want to be. Rav Dessler talks about this a lot in Mechtav Me'iliyahu. We're not objective. And we take things that are wrong and we try to twist them rationally, rationalize them into making them true. So, once in a while, we have to let go of that intellect, which is there rationalizing, and try to identify what's really there. Of course, you know that Purim, the, in the Megillah, Shem Hashem is not mentioned. It's called Megillah's Esther. The star of the show is Esther from the language of Hester. And the whole Purim story is one of hiddenness. I try to imagine a journalist, a pundit, observing the Purim story, which spreads out over nine years. The Jews are attending a party, which they say they have to do, otherwise the king is going to get us. And Mordechai says, you're not allowed to do it. And they argue with Mordechai, and they say, we have to do it, otherwise it's going to be bad news. They do it. Fast forward, Haman is appointed, and of course, troublemaker Mordechai doesn't want to bow down, and because of that, there's a decree against the Jews. And you fast forward again, all of the things that they forgot to write down, they forgot to uh, reward Mordechai uh, when he informed about the assassination attempt. And Esther gets chosen, and Ahasuerus has insomnia exactly when Mordechai is coming to into, exactly when Haman is coming to get Mordechai. Again, a journalist looking at this, wow, what a political intrigue. Lots of in, very interesting coincidences. Mikre. This is why Amalek, Asher Karchabaderach, we mentioned this before, that Amalek is connected to Purim, not just because Amon is a descendant of Amalek, but the attitude of Amalek is everything that happens in the world is coincidence. And Purim looks like one big, long set of coincidences. And the work of Purim is for us without Itaruta de Le'ela, without the miracles of Mitzrayim, without supernatural miracles of Yetzias Mitzrayim, without divine revelation at Sinai. It's for us to figure out ourselves with our belief to plow below the surface and realize what's really going on. The miracle of Purim is the antithesis of the miracles of Mitzrayim. But it's exactly the way it's supposed to be. God has to start with overt miracles. We have to start with Yitzhak Mitzrayim. But the, the year progresses and we end up at the end of the year with Purim. Purim is the very end where the miracles are very hidden. And it's only when we can access the fact that, hey, there is a God who does supernatural miracles... The Ramban at the end of Parsha's bow, why it's so important to remember the miracles of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, that enables us to realize there's a God controlling the world. 
And it's our job to go below the surface and to really dig deep. And sometimes to do that, we have to shed our arrogance of our intellect. Oh, we know better. We know everything that's going on. And on a certain level, to let go. The Gomorrah has a famous exchange that um, we know that if you if you sign a forced contract and you have witnesses that you were forced, you were coerced into the contract, contract is invalid. So the Gomorrah says that the Jews have a great excuse when they violate the Torah because kofa harkigigis, we were coerced to accept the Torah. And therefore, if we don't keep the Torah, we have a good excuse. We weren't bound by the Torah. It says the Gomorrah, but Hadar Kibluha Bimeachashverosh. That after the miracles of Purim, they reaccepted the Torah. The language, the proof text is where it says, Kimu Vikiblu Hayehudim. Nobody pays attention to the fact that it's out of order. Kimu means they fulfilled. Vikiblu means they accepted. Well, first you've got to accept and then you've got to fulfill. So says the Gemara, Kimu, they validated Mashikib Lukfar. So now receiving the Torah was done, says Rashi, Me'avas Hanes. What's the difference between the Nase of Mitzrayim and the Nase of Purim? The Nase of Mitzrayim was overt. You had no choice. But the Nase of Purim showed that God is operating behind the scenes. And he loves us. And he's manipulating history. We have to see that. Once we saw that, the language of Rashi there, Oz, Kimu v'kiblu me'avas hanes, from the love of the nes. Mitzrayim wasn't the love of nes. There's a gun at our heads. We gotta, we gotta sign that contract. Okay? But at Purim, we didn't have to. We could have just ignored and made it all coincidence. So that's itaruta dilatata. One of the chidushim is that you have to see that we have a problem. See, the Jewish people didn't have to recognize that there was a problem. They didn't have to think, well, there was a problem in the Sa'uda and there's a problem the fact that we're amifuzar umiforad, we're descent, we have, we have dissension in our midst. Itaruta dilatata means you've got to feel that there's a problem. You have to feel the difference, the distance between you and God. The Jewish people started out by not realizing what the problem was. They thought the problem was Mordechai's intransigence. They thought the fact Mordechai is an extremist. But in fact, that wasn't the problem. Mordechai was the solution. But you can't get to a solution till you really know what the problem is. And we like to think that there's no problem. That comes to rationalization again. The growth in Purim is not normal growth. Purim is a very special day. If Yom Kippur is a day that lets us, in one day, imitate angels and get up there to the heavens, which doesn't last, Purim is a special day which also has a short circuit to growth. Where do we see it? The Gemara says, Kol yad nos 
So the overt explanation is that on Pura, normally when an Ani asks you for money, you're allowed and maybe even supposed to check to make sure that he's really deserving of the tzedakah. Except on Purim. Purim, it says, call up poshet because of Matanos Levyonim and because of the Achus we try to, in, 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 to engender in Klal Yisrael. Call up poshet anytime an Ani sticks. Anybody who sticks out their hand, knows them you give him the tzedakah. But there's also a Kabbalistic understanding. Anything that you ask God for on Purim, but really ask. Call a poshet yad, no snimlo. You can access spiritual accomplishments not through growth, but through jumping. You can reach levels on Purim that you can never access the rest of the year. When it says, La Yehudim Haisa Ora Vesimcha, Ora is clarity. All of a sudden, the Jews had true clarity. And sometimes to get true clarity, you need to let go of your rationalization. That's the idea of Chayev Inish Libesume. And then on Purim, you can have what we call a light bulb moment. And we've seen it over and over again. People on Purim can all of a sudden have that switch thrown. One of the things about watching people when they're drunk is you find out who the real person is. We've seen it over and over again. don't want to mention names, but we've seen it. There are some people that when they get drunk, all of a sudden they're spouting divrei Torah that you had no idea that they had in them. And sometimes people get drunk and they become violent. Sometimes they just sit there like a glob. You find out what the real person is. Because you have to take off, and here's another idea of Purim, you have to take off on Purim all your masks. The real you comes out. Sometimes you're afraid to find out what the real you is. That's why some people start crying on Purim. We've seen the people are drunk, they start crying. It's a very individual thing. But the idea of masks on Purim, you're supposed to take off your mask. But we dress up with masks because I believe that um, Rabbi Tatz has a book called World Mask. Is that Rabbi Tatz or is that the, yeah, World Mask? We have to realize the world is a fake out. What we see is a fake and we have to get below the surface. We have to find out what the reality is. That's v'nahafochu. V'nahafochu is, it's, not, it's exactly the opposite of what it seems. And today it's so glaring. What, what's going out there in the culture where people are saying things that they, it looks like they're serious. They're really rational. And wow, doesn't this make sense? And you look at it and you say, this is the most ridiculous thing in the world. I don't want to start giving examples. But so, but but we've got to realize that sometimes we fall into that trap with things that aren't quite as overtly ridiculous as some of the things we're hearing out there. And that's where the idea of late sanusa comes in. Late sanus, we make jokes. Purim is a is a is mockery. The one problem, the Gemara says, called late sanusa asura, a person is not allowed to make mockery, except late sanusa de avodah zara. The Leitzanus that we have on Purim is supposed to be Leitzanus Adavodazar. What is Leitzanus Adavodazar? Well, what's the problem with Leitzanus? So, a Leitz is a person who makes fun. The Maral talks about it, Rav Hutner elaborates on it. You have an issue, and you have to confront the issue. And it's a, a heavy issue. And you don't want to confront it. Well, the way to confront the issue is one of two ways. 
either intellectually confronting it to try to knock it down and refute it, or you make a joke out of it. You make mockery out. You make light of it. So says the Maharal, an intellectual confrontation is hard work. A person doesn't like hard work. A person likes it to be easy. So making fun of an important concept is the easy way out. So when we talk about make mockery, what we're doing is we are avoiding confronting the issue. Most comedians today do that. They take serious things and they, and they turn them into not serious things. That's, that's, you're supposed to be serious about serious things. The one thing that is the reverse is Avodazar. What is Avodazar? Avodazar is a facade. It doesn't only mean idol worship. It means imputing significance and seriousness to things that aren't serious. But once a person pretends that something is serious, so like, you, you can't engage him. So if it's if he's really not serious and he thinks it's serious, the only way to knock it out is with with is with leitzanus, goring sacred cows in quotation marks. That's what Purim is about. Purim is the idea of taking the things that all year we think are serious. And making making us realize it's not so serious. Because we've got to go below the surface. The, the, the work on Purim is to uncover what's hidden. On Yom Kippur, we shed our physicality. That's how we elevate ourselves. And God judges us with a shedded physicality, and that's how we would like to be judged by God, spiritual. On Purim, you judge yourself because what you're doing is you're shedding your intellect and you're finding out the real you. And when you find out the real you, you're judging yourself. What are your real values? What are your real priorities? And we've seen it over and over again. If you can access the spiritual potential that exists on Purim, Purim is a great clarifier. When it says... That sounds like confusion to me. You're so mixed up that you don't know the difference. Right? That, that, that doesn't sound very good. But the understanding is that if you can penetrate the surface and go deep, 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 you can access the unity that exists in the world. It's the surface, it's the physicality that confuses us, that misleads us, because most of our lives, we're looking at the surface. That's certainly, you know, if that was true in Chazal's time, and it was true in the Rishonim's time, today it's truer than ever. Everything is about surface. Everything is about the glitz. And the, and the goal of Purim is to get below the surface. And when you get below the surface, you realize that there's an underlying unity between Oror Haman and Baruch Mordechai.
We have to see God below the surface in history. That's what Purim is all about. Purim is seeing God in history because God was hidden in the Purim story in history and we had to see it. We had to work to see it, which was not true in Egypt. But we also have to see God in nature because God is hidden in nature. We have to identify divine values rather than superficial values. We have to see that below the surface, this is the famous Ramban at the end of a bow, that what looks like nature is really God operating the system. And therefore, God intervenes in a natural way. There's no more overt miracles. Today, God intervenes, and we have to see his intervention. That's the work of Purim. Hester Punim, God is hidden. Our job is to uncover him. Don't make a mistake. And a lot of people feel, oh, Purim is one day where we can let go. You know, we're so tied up all year. One, we got to just let go on Purim. That makes it sound like it's, okay, you know, it's an outlet. It's a pressure. It's, a, it's the release of the pressure that we have all year. That is such a lost opportunity of Purim, if that's how you view it. Kolaposhet Yad Nosnimlo means Purim has access to spiritual accomplishments that can make it, if you work hard, if you do it, it can make it the benchmark against which your Yom Kippur is going to be judged. Was your Yom Kippur as good as your Purim or not? It's exactly the opposite way we think about it. But it's one of the remarkable things about Purim. This is the idea of connecting it with Amalek. Amalek was all about superficiality. Asher Karcha Baderech. It was coincidence. right? It was purposeless. And the challenge of Purim, when we talk about eradicating Amalek, we're not anymore talking about the physical destruction of a nation. The Sifrei Kabbal already say, the Sifrei Hasidus. The Amalek Bicha, that every person has an Amalek in them, and Amalek means the idea that we don't take things seriously. We're, 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 we're always looking on the surface. We think things are coincidental. And the job of Purim is to realize that what looks coincidental is real. What looks superficial is not the reality. The reality is the depth. The reality is what's underneath the surface. And sometimes we have to lose our rational, our rationalizing intellect to be able to connect with the real us that's really weighed down, buried away. That's a big challenge. It's good that we have a week to think about it and prepare.